This episode of the Red Stick Podcast, sponsored by El Rio Grande Mexican Restaurant. If you're looking for authentic, home-style Mexican food and the best margaritas you'll ever salt your lips with, go see our friend Raul Erdialis and the fun-loving staff at Baton Rouge's oldest Mexican restaurant, El Rio Grande. 8334 Airline Highway, just north of Florida, across from Frank's. If you got, if you got a dip and like a trucker hat and a gut, your odds are you're not going to be out there like, Darwin had it right. We need to evolve. Like, you're not chanting that. Welcome to the Red Stick Podcast. Today's guests are Sunny Weathers of Sunny's Disposition fame and radio personality T. Bob A. Bear. Now, here's your host, four time hoister of Lord Stanley's Cup, Jeremy White. All right, yes, we're rolling here at El Rio Grande, 8334 Airline Highway, just north of Florida, across from Frank's. I'm your host, Jeremy White. Welcome back to the Red Stick Podcast. With me today, co-conspirator, Sonny Weathers. Nobody cares about me. Get to the man. Oh, the yeah. We've got a very special guest. He's popping his Red Stick cherry today. Uh, mm-hmm. My cousin from down the Baya, by way of Atlanta, Georgia, and LSU, uh, the son of uh, the Cajun Cannon, T-Bob Bear. Yo, Jerry, what's man? going Thanks on, Thanks for y'all? joining us. Man. Yeah, really no, uh, pleasure to be here at yeah. El Rio Grande, drinking delicious tequila, eating delicious food, and uh, yeah, excited to do a little podcasting. Yeah, man. absolutely. So slumming uh, it today. Yeah, exactly. If you, uh, th- I think, you're, what is this episode? Two twenty seven, two twenty eight, two twenty eight. You're the first bona fide cousin I've had on the show. That's incredible. Wait, so episode two twenty eight, and mm-hmm. y'all do it once a week, mm-hmm. pretty much. So how yeah. many years? I mean, we're coming up oh, on nearly like five years then, four or yeah. five, something like that. I was gonna say, I, I know, I know, I see them pop up in my feed from like two thousand twelve, maybe late two thousand eleven. Yeah, from old podcasts. Uh-huh. It's yeah. incredible. As someone who is a huge fan of podcasting, but probably didn't really get into even listening to them in twenty. 2013. Really? Respect. Cheers. Thank Appreciate you, it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You're uh, well. You're something pro- to be said too. I think for commitment, right? I mean, anytime I, oh, you yeah. have something that lasts that long. You know, I feel better now if you're Jeremy's cousin and you don't listen, and I'm on this thing and I don't listen. So uh, exactly. <laughs> Ed is one of those things, man. I rarely listen to my own show. I actually have to force myself to listen to my own show. I, I can't do it to try to get better, but I kind of no. hate it. Like the entire time, I'm cringing. I was gonna yeah. say my. Every time I hear my voice, it sounds like all my relatives from Mississippi. And I'm just like, hey, y'all, how you doing? What's going on in this podcast? That's all I hear whenever I talk. Well, at least, whenever you're, not I listen listen, to my at least you're not listening to the show here. It, it, it makes it consistent. Nobody in my family listens. So yeah, it's, mine it's, either. It makes it unanimous. Mine either. I always wait like three minutes in just in case Allison might listen. But, you know, after that, I'm like, ah, fuck it. Who's Say whatever I want my, wife, my wife says, my wife Caitlin exactly. says that Who's talk, talk radio uh, <laughs> makes her nauseous. So I never even have to worry about her listening to my actual Yeah, exactly. Sure. So, uh, for folks that don't know, you were the center for LSU yeah. for uh, the famous Tennessee game with the huh. 13 on the field, yeah. where everybody thought LSU lost. Upon further, further review, because you snapped it before the clock ran out, they had 13 on the field. Yeah, it was, to, it was, it was crazy, man. It was like the ultimate Mad Hatter moment, because yeah. it was a bit of an error in strategy uh, a bit yeah yeah like they were they running with a running <laughs> clock uh, with well, about, like, 13 seconds counting down we were subbing yeah exactly right and which means subbing. the umpire comes up actually worked for that guy in officiating anyway, really? he, he, uh, he uh, Jeff Roberson yeah. came up stood over the ball as you're supposed to to allow the defense to match up 
Yeah, and and, and the, the risk with that is you could be standing. The guy could be standing over the ball, and you got triple zeros on the clock. Well, the crazy, the other crazy part is that it was so confusing and so unorthodox deciding to sub with a running clock with like 13 seconds of no timeouts, no way to stop the clock, that it then confused Tennessee so bad that they felt like they had to react, and that's how they ended up with 13 on the field. Right. And, and as far as snapping the ball, dude, that was all just pure blind luck. I saw the clock was running out, snapped it. I had no idea how many people they had on the field. We didn't have a play call. I still to this day don't know how we were lined up in a legal formation. But look, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I think I had like – I had more – family and friends at that game than any other game wow. for my entire career. So Jeez. that was pretty uh it was pretty cool to see it go down like that. But but I do kind of hesitate to take the credit cuz not only was it blind luck, but that was an 18 play drive that led to that point mm-hmm. and there was crazy plays made all over the place. I always think about it. I think Jared Lee came in on like 4th and 18 ice cold and Jeez. Got a first down. But but whatever, see, man. See, it's cool. Yeah. You're, you're taking the wrong technique. Like, you should be humble about everything else in life. You should be like, ah, oh, you know, I got this great job and a great car. You know, it's all just luck and hard work and all that. That play, that was me. It's, oh, look, I'm not going to lie. Motherfucker. It, is, it, is, it is kind of nice <laughs> coming from the O-line perspective where you don't get, like, a lot of love all the time that somehow his entire game got credited to me. Yeah. Every conversation <laughs> so should So sure, start, I'll take it. Every yeah. conversation should start. You remember that game that we almost blew because of poor, poor clock management and bad play calling right at the end? No, no, no that, not that one. Not that one. No, <laughs> no, 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 not that one. Not that one. Not, no, no. You think no, no. The one with Jarrett Lee? No, not that one. Uh, oh, yes. no, that's well, that's, that's the funny part is that probably the only reason why I knew to snap it was the year before at Ole Miss. It was a somewhat similar situation except I only had one second left on the clock when the ref standing over the ball, and I didn't get the snap off, and the game ended. So ever since then, it was really drilled in my head that yeah. no matter what, just throw it back there. And it ended up being really lucky, you were playing It was crazy. You're a line coach, coach death, but Jesus, he killed me with all that. Killed me. Yeah, he um, – Was that Stradawa back in the day? Yeah, that was Coach Studd. That was Coach, coach Studd. Studd. I don't think – who was the offensive coordinator at the time? Might have been Croton. I'm not entirely sure. What's crazy about that game, too – What's well, weird, man? It's eight years ago now, but it uh, yeah. It's one of the only games where it's the only game I've ever experienced where we only the two times we scored were on the very first play of the game uh-huh. and the very last play of the game. It's a bit odd. Jordan Jefferson had the eighty-one yard really touchdown weird. to start, yeah. nothing in between except for like a field goal or something, and then yeah, the very last play zero zero zero. So that's a little wow. fun fact. But yeah, as far as a like swing of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really probably the main thing that I would say you miss from football are kind of the emotions that playing in a stadium like that can elicit. Yeah. From going to being so angry and just upset to then like on top of the world, that that is that swing is something that I'll never forget. It's pretty stark. And then there's the you other way around. You've never you... done cocaine then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard not, I read about not, it. Not too dissimilar. <laughs> I watched a YouTube video on DMT. Yeah. Seemed like a it's yeah. it's four minutes, but it's like that. But they say everything balances out in life and last year LSU got the reciprocal of that mm. at, at Auburn. Yeah. They won the game yeah. and then upon further review, no no, that doesn't count. That play doesn't count. Yeah, that was what's, what else is, I think, odd about that is the kind of symbolism in that it almost kind of felt like the Mad Hatter's luck finally mm-hmm. drying up. Yeah. And then sure enough, yeah. after that game, the move was, uh, look, the move and, was and made. Look, I, I love him. 
I love him. I love everything he did for LSU. But you can only take so many like one second plays. Like you can't just you can't you, well, and you it, can't count on that last second miracle every no, game. No, and and the the problem with Coach Miles, it's 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 obvious now. It was just a it was a stubbornness and mm-hmm. a kind of unwillingness to evolve. I mean, we talked to Tim Williams, the uh, I think he was a Catholic high DN, and then he goes to Alabama. And we talked to him the other day, and I asked him, you know, what were you thinking? Uh, we asked him, what were you thinking when? LSU kept running the ball against y'all, and he started laughing. He was like, "I mean, I don't know. We just, we were kind of like, they're really gonna keep running the ball. We got eight in the box, and they're just gonna keep Keep, doing it." And he was like, "Maybe if y'all had thrown it, it would have been different over the last three to four years." And so that was, to me, really to get that firsthand perspective. Just confirmed everything you basically already knew, but you just hadn't heard it from the source itself. So, yeah, Miles was great for a time, and I think that. With a little distance, I think fans will remember him more fondly. Uh, but, yeah, by the end, I think it was time for a move to be made. The last two to three to four years, LSU was Look. against Power 5 teams. They were like five or six games above 500, and that's that's just not mm. going to be acceptable here. I'll always remember him fondly. And I don't care how many times Saban beats us. I'll always remember him fondly, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. They both they, but for, for I'll very good him. reasons. I'll hate him at least one Saturday a year. But other than that... Thank you for everything you did. Yeah, yeah. Now, Nick Saban kickstarted the engine and kind of brought yeah. LSU back to prominence. Yes. Right now, in your family, I'm sure uh, there was a lot of uh, pleasure in the replacement that was named, the permanent replacement. Yeah, yeah. For I would, sure. I would, I would think. Uh, yeah, your well, dad seemed pretty happy about that. So what's crazy about sorry, that we, is we have a, we have another celebrity. Oh, another here. celebrity is joining the chair, Mr. Jordy Ellis, the patriarch, the patriarch, founder of Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. How's it going, Mr. Joe? We're, okay. Oh, we're doing fine. Doing Delicious. fine. Just hanging out with T Bob over here, talking about yeah. football and some other stuff. Uh, okay, just, just don't fall like getting out of here. Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, that's right. That's I can not enough tequila. tequila. <laughs> we're staying right, We're drinking iced tea. <laughs> tequila. <laughs> I'm drinking the non alcoholic tequila. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't give that to an engine now. No. <laughs> He's got that virgin tequila over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's the. Uh, oh, man. I've got the O'Doul's tequila. The O'Doul's O'Doul's yeah. is pretty nice. I think you mean El Duels. El Duels. Oh, that's right. El Duels. Oh, well done. That's but, it. I'm witty. Is that, is that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how we've gone five years. Yeah, that's that's that right Thank there. You know exactly. what that, you, you, I, moments like that? That's my snap at double zero. That's what that is. That's. <laughs> oh, man. What were we talking Okay, yeah. So the kind of the, the background with my dad and Coach O. So. It, it is wild, man, because you're talking about two Cajuns that grew up on the same, basically the same street. I mean, kind of same neighborhood. Uh, they are related. Uh, they played a high school together, won a state championship in high school together. I went to that 40-year reunion in on Coach Yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. It was like a borderline religious festival. But So they, so they did that. And then they even ended up be, uh, playing in college together in Northwestern State. They roomed together. So then it was already crazy, I think, for my dad to see his old friend in uh, the various positions of power he's had, right? Bebe worked his way up to mm-hmm. Ole Miss head coach, USC interim coach. Like That was crazy in and of itself. And so for this to eventually end with him becoming the LSU head coach, right. a school that he actually committed to and mm-hmm. arrived at before leaving for Northwestern State, it's the culmination of a very long and 
wild weird. journey and story. Very weird. Yeah. A lot yeah. of things had to break a certain way. Right. And uh, I think for my dad to see his old friend do that, he's been just really, really yeah. excited. I mean, I, I felt bad for, for Coach O when he was at USC, took over yeah. <clears throat> for that piece of crap alcoholic that had to leave or whoever no it was kiffin at the time it was kiffin yeah no no sorry sarkeesian is uh yeah sarkeesian is a whole but but i mean but but to your point right that's who they passed over oh four he got to leave usc didn't keep him that was insane he got to lead the band and everything but then they said no you're not gonna be you're not material for for head coaching and but we'd love to keep you on as an assistant and recruit. And he's like, no, nah, screw you guys. I'm out Yeah, here. and he wasn't going to do that, right? I mean, not after no, turning that team him. around. He was, he was very openly upset about not getting what he viewed as a fair opportunity. And now, look, he's gotten that opportunity at LSU. I think it's going to be very interesting here in year number one. Mm. Uh, you are replacing a ton of talent, especially defensively. Yeah. Whenever I think about defensive starters, instead of 11 guys, I basically go to 12 because the nickelback is used so often right, now. Right. And LSU's replacing eight of the 12. Yeah. And they're, wow. like, all in the NFL. So it's not just but it's not least, just like graduating guys. At least our fan base is reasonable <laughs> and yeah. understands that we're losing eight starters. Right, right. Yeah. right. And that's, so that's just on defense. And yeah. then you combine that with an SEC schedule where you got five row games. Look, they're going to have their work cut out for them. And it's the whole staff. It's not just O. There's a lot of pressure on Canada because of the contract. There's a yeah. lot of pressure on Aranda yeah. because of the contract and the expectations he set From with the, the excellence one. of last year, right? right. He has yep. to live up to that with a lot of fresh faces, and that will be interesting to see if they can do that or not. Um, Look, it doesn't matter what happens the rest of the season. It, if they're competitive with Alabama, they're golden. They don't even have to win. Not in year one. I think you're right. I don't they think just, they have to they win. They just in year have one. to be competitive. I think they have to they show have to offensive. Pass. Yes, yes. They, <laughs> they have, have to pass. have offensive success. People will not mm-hmm. accept like another ten to nothing type of game. I was going to say, if, right. if I look, if I see the first play as an option, I'll, fu- I'll fucking go down there and murder them all myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do a. Uh, Hey, we, option of the week set. Oh, that seems. We got to listen to Canada speak, man, and he um he's he's an, he, he's he's kind of a he's one of those guys where I really enjoyed getting his thought process as to how he runs offense, mm-hmm. and I think that LSU fans are going to be very happy. He, he kind of operates under the same principles of Dave Aranda, what I would describe as a simple complexity, where somehow they've created a system. That looks really dense and complicated from the outside with all kind of moving parts, but they're able to break it down and communicate it to their students, to their, you know, their 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 players, to where they always know what they're doing. And the mental stress isn't actually that high on him. He says that he's fond of saying he runs the simplest offense in America. Like he never wants his quarterback to have to make more than a 50-50 choice. He says rarely will they even get to their second and third read. Wow. So so with, with Canada specifically, you're talking about a guy who he's all about engineering and manipulating the defense through motions and shifts and creating matchups that he deems favorable. We like this guy on this guy. We're going to jumble it around till we end up with that matchup then we're going to exploit so that. wait a minute you mean we're not going to just say well they're bigger and stronger in the box <laughs> but we're going to go right into the teeth of the defense because that's what we have to do because that's i mean we got a great we are. that's our identity we got a great we got a great running back that's all we're going to do right just run it that's all we're going to do is and, just and, and they will they will be run first but yes it's going to be such a vastly different run you'll see a jet sweep 
fake or an actual jet sweep attached to almost every single play. Um, and, you know, with a guy that is that creative, you definitely get excited handing him the talent of a Darius Geis or yeah. uh, some of these some of these other guys. Jackson. And a lot of people upset with the spring game and how they looked. And I'm not here to defend the LSU offense. I would rather just point out that I don't think that's a very representative look. Because not no. only are you not showing anything because it's spring. <laughs> exactly. But you take away Canada's greatest strength, which is what we just said, game planning, right? Yeah. Specifically manipulating on a week-to-week basis. And you, you don't get to do that in spring. You don't self-scout, no. really. No. Say, exactly. And you've only been together for a few months anyway. So yes. you're, you're, right. everything's new. You're trying to keep stuff quiet. The spring game should really just be a chance for everybody to get liquored up and watch flag football. That's, that's uh, all it should be. That's basically it. That, yeah. I, I think that's the most accurate. If, if you understand that going yeah. into it, you'll have a good time. You go watch that's a little scrimmage. You got hay fighting tigers going on. Yep. You got the cheerleaders. It's a glorified scrimmage. It's yeah. all it is. That's all I, it I is. would say it's even it's it's in ways because of the content it's even less than that of if you could go to a normal practice or a just, normal scrimmage it's, it's, it's more you get to see even more like oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. it's like yeah. me and my buddies playing flag football yeah it's not a, Only now, with they, less, they, less they hip did, injuries they uh, did tackle <laughs> <laughs> they did tackle the quarterbacks this year which I thought was a Ooh, bit odd especially really? considering that Jesus. Eileen had surgery the day after but yeah okay well I don't know we'll, maybe we'll, that's we'll what see, it was man. maybe like ah, he's gonna have surgery anyway yeah bust him up that's, That's right. They're exactly. trying to Wally Pip him. They want exactly. to be forced into putting someone exactly. else in. No, I don't I, know. I, I got to ask this, though. Do you know if Coach Ogeron got a special clause in his contract to, that your, your your dad can never be kicked out of the press box ever again? I, I don't know if that's the case, but I would imagine that he probably has a bit of a stronger ally okay. if it was to come down. I don't know. They'd have to check the binder, the uh, special LSU binder that oh. has the answers to everything. Right. It reminds me of the <laughs> – have you ever heard of the Sibylline Books of Prophecy? So these are something that the Romans would, uh, the, 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 these tomes of prophecy and knowledge that the Romans would consult whenever they had a crisis and they had to figure out a plan of action. And their, their story's kind of fascinating, right? You had this like seer, this woman who had nine books of prophecy, she tries to sell them to the last Roman king. He says, no, she burns three of them, comes back with six, tries to sell them to the king for the same price. He says, no, she burns three more. She comes back, it's like, it's her last chance. Same original price. The king finally is feeling a little sketchy. He ends up buying them. Well, whatever, uh, king, that was the final, last king of Rome, the Republic rises, but they always consulted these Sibylline books of prophecy until it was, uh, I think it eventually burned up in some fire, can't exactly remember when, but it's a long way of saying that's basically the Tome of Knowledge, the binder, that the binder. Coach O and Derek Panamski put together. See, nice. That's how you know he finished college. That's how you know that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it's also a testament to... The the when you hear people say oh the offensive lineman especially the center smartest guys on the field not the quarterback offensive lineman so what's kind of funny about that yeah, is yeah because because hang on just yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no go ahead because the because uh, maybe, maybe things changed uh, later on but when I was at LSU uh, the quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receivers. Uh, might have copied off of me in math class. <laughs> uh, the the offensive linemen were never given that that uh, that ease of yeah, access. Yeah, I had like, a few people copy off of me. For like sure. I, I was a C student, and because uh, they I would see what you were writing down. <laughs> well, I, I take that back. I was a B and C student in math, mostly C, a little every now and then a B. Cheers. They wouldn't set them around the A students. 
But uh, I, I don't. I don't want to say any names. I don't know if there's a statute of limitations, but. Yeah, just, cheating gets a little sketchy with yeah. the NCAA. Like, you never want to give the NCAA no, reason no. to. Uh, I mean, no. it's been like twenty years. Almost. Yeah, you're probably actually. You're I gave him half my peanut butter fine. and jelly sandwich. Oh well, and he lost the championship. Take that banner down. Sorry, yeah. I want to say it was a Mohan Ravy <laughs> and uh, Rosh Jeed. Uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, remember those guys. Rosh Jeed, he was caught a lot of passes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, they got that offense going, man. That was like some of the most exciting offensive performances out of LSU ever. Yeah, yeah. Back in the Rohan Reed day, and, uh, I love Mohan. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Mike. Excuse me, and, Mohan. And if they were in a math class with me, they might have sat it just on a like a Tuesday. It might have just been everybody on one side of the class and then me on the other side. And then on test day, it was me in the middle of the class, <laughs> and a bunch of a bunch of them. Were, oh wait, no, I take that back because. Uh, Shh. Who was the big offensive lineman that year? He ended up playing for the Cowboys, and then he got hurt. Oh, I don't know those Starts old teams. I don't uh, know. What, anyway, he was also in that class. Yeah, and he also may have looked at because my of how the academics work out. They tend to lump football players in a lot of classes yes. together, so yes. you get these very clickish right. type of right. deals yeah. going. On. And, and really, like even that whole spiel about the book's prophecy. Unfortunately. It does not come from my college experience. I mean, oh. general studies major, I was very much, uh, I, I kind of lament how non-serious I was with school back do, in the day. Do you day. have that paper on the wall, though? I do. You're doing better than I me, do. I do. You're okay. doing better yes. than me. I do. I did get the, I got, I got, I'm a general four-star. But I, um, I graduated in 96, started LSU in 98, smoked a lot of weed, played a lot of Blitz in the Union because Blitz was oh, the new game then. Oh, shit, son. I'll and, go on Blitz. And this was like old-school Union. It wasn't that fancy Union they got now. We yeah. had Blitz, yes, bowling, right. and some pinball, and that mm-hmm. was about it. Uh, and so they had like an Unreal Tournament type of game. Yeah. It was an Unreal Tournament that I remember playing as a kid in the Union, going to LSU games uh, sometimes. But Blitz at the time was right at the front door of the the, the bowling area, the bowling alley, yeah. and, and pool tables. Like so, as soon as you walk in the door, it was all of us that had just got baked. Yeah, you and were really skipping stoned. class. Yeah. And we would just stay there for like, I don't know, six hours and be like, oh, I guess I'm going to go to work now. That sounds awesome, though, dude, because that's something. I'm a huge video game guy. I'm obsessed. I always have been. Uh, like, not just like playing the games, but the whole culture surrounding it. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to experience like a true kind of arcade culture. But because of when I grew up, I just never. Yeah, yeah, we. I get never it. had that. Like, I want to see get everybody. It, you're young. No, I want to see everybody lined up though on the blitz machine, like quarters on the table, oh, like yeah. ready to fucking and, and get after. Yeah. And it was, you know, ever coming up next. It was the four man play, and there were teams, and we were serious oh, really? about Y'all that were shit. Oh, really? Y'all going two v two? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. We were serious. Nice. Wow. Like, cause you like and and golden tea. Uh, you, you see this pinky oh. here? Oh my god, dude! Did you ram it up against? The, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Th- this was like this was like serious golden. For those who can't see, his pinky uh, has a pinky, bit of an odd. It's like are, a double pinky. Your fingers, rails, your fingers are straighter yeah. than his. <laughs> yeah, just saying, yeah. And my you, fingers came out unscathed. No, That's amazing. never did anything. Never did well, anything. Well, I played. I don't want to brag. I played a little football myself. <laughs> uh, Cheers. Till high school, at which point I switched to wrestling. Also not good for the fingers. Oh, wrestling, also, you're a masochist. Also Only had masochist a mediocre like career in street fighting. And then just general Not street fighter. No, 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 no. Actually street fighting. Okay. Actual street fighting. Yeah. That, that ended around the time I had some freelance rhinoplasty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mouthing off to the wrong fellas. 
But so, yeah, so my fingers have taken a severe beating. Oh my god! Uh, air hockey, golden tea with various substances and chemicals. Like you know, you go to smash that puck and like you hit the rail and break your pinky. Oh uh, yeah, was, an air hockey. Yeah. You were going for that slam, yeah. son. <laughs> you slashed yourself. I, I broke these. I broke these three uh, doing electrical work in a plant. And since we had like safety bonuses on the line, we just duct taped these two together and these two together. I put my glove back on and finished a twelve hour. You went shift. Vulcan. Yeah, I did straight Vulcan on it. I, Work my, long and prosper. Yeah, my, my fingers have all just been decimated. <laughs> Excellent, dude. That's um, that. Yeah, I have these. I see, but okay. So maybe that's a part of my dainty video game filled upbringing I, I have these weak hands especially because I don't even lift weights anymore now hey, I've hey, even hey. lost the calluses oh what oh, yeah I got nothing dude how do you how are you that big well I guess if you're that big you probably don't have to lift as much so I the only thing I like to do now I, I was into kickboxing for a while but now I'm very into uh, yoga lattes. oh, oh yeah when, when you said kickboxing stuff. I was like alright we're gonna see like you and Sean Jordan going at it now hey dude that, n- no I am way too smart <laughs> to ever mess with Sean before he was ever so for those who don't know Sean Jordan fullback on the 2007 national championship team was he on the 03 as well he might have been redshirted I can't remember yes, I believe I think that he, he was. was one of the few guys that actually was on both yeah wow. but um he was in New Mexico he's from New Mexico I'm pretty sure and he was a state champion wrestler and I'll never forget one day there was a wrestling mat somebody put a wrestling mat in the indoor facility and he was lining everybody up. I mean, offensive line, just down the line uh-uh. and just whooping everybody's what? ass back to back to back to back to back. It was when you're a good wrestler. Me, I, it was insane. When you're a good wrestler, it's a whole different level. And he went into MMA and he had some success in the UFC. And then there was like a hey, I'd like a little bit more money. And they yeah. were like, yeah, we don't like to pay anybody. I know, mm-hmm. no. Uh, and he did lose his last fight, which hurt my heart. But the dude he fought was uh, some sort of Eastern European murderer. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, can't, I can't pronounce the guy's name, but he had got jumped in a bar fight by three guys and took two of them out, and then the last one, like, stabbed him in the lung and, like, partially in the heart, oh. and he almost died, and he spent, like, three years in recovery. Whoa. And then he was like, you know what I need to do? Get back yeah, into fight. MMA. Go, I, go I, I need, yeah, I need to get back into murdering people in a cage. Wow. And Sean was doing good against him, but you know when you're heavy, when you're a heavyweight and you're fighting, all it takes is that one punch. Well, dude, I mean, just combat sports yeah. are insane. The amount of from somebody who's coming from a team sport and mm-hmm. really, I mean, you got if you're being honest with yourself, if you screw up in a team sport, it's not always the worst thing because sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle. I can, with how much pressure and anxiety, I feel like. I used to deal with. I cannot imagine being in combat sports, and that is it and is all on you, and your success well, or failure directly yeah, correlates. To that's you. why I switched to wrestling. Like, okay, uh, let's be honest. I was not going to be a college football player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was. I was okay. It was nothing special. I was just regular old defensive end. That's it. And, and I'm. I could have played in high school. I might have gone to some shitty junior college. Yeah. And then nothing. Uh, but with I was like, I just want to do something where it's me. And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of wrestling in this area in the late nineties. There's That's still not. I, so somebody else, somebody uh, else was actually telling me that that back in the nineties, he used to talk about how he was wrestling. They'd be like, "What, like WWE?" He's like, "No, no, like, high school, like high school wrestling." <laughs> yeah. right. So, yeah. uh, so, so I, I yeah. wrestled. 
at Bel Air, and our coach, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, was Dale Kettleson. He was like an Olympic alternate. That's yeah, I'm about to say, that the Bel Air, aren't uh, they the Bengals. Uh, legendary uh, yeah. wrestling academy here, I guess? Well, or one our of. coach was. Okay. Uh, he, he was, uh, he, and he was, he taught me how to drive and he taught me how to wrestle. Well, and nice. Coach, he was in his 60s at the time, in the 90s, whenever he was coaching us. And he could still whip anybody's ass on the, like we're all eighteen and half the team was on the juice and he would still just work us because he was he he always had he walked in that hunched like I always say wrestlers he was, have a predatory look, stalk like was, a great wrestler does he, it's kind of he like, was just he was just yeah. in that stance where he was already always ready to take you out with a yeah. single like he was always ready to just grab an ankle and take you down wow but one of the guys that wrestled with us was Paige Russell and. uh Paige wrestled at like 115 then, and he was undefeated for two years straight. And I think he only lost maybe two, two, maybe three matches his entire high school career. Jesus. And then he wrestled in college, and now he does powerlifting. And, or, uh, he got into powerlifting, and then uh, he coaches wrestling at Terra now. I think it's Terra. I believe so. Uh, but he's also a uh, – professional bodybuilder now so he's my he's a year older than me so he's 40 41 somewhere yeah. in there and he just won like back-to-back uh national championships for bodybuilding like Jesus. just ridiculous like i'm just see like, that's that, that that's that kind of masochistic mm-hmm. uh lifestyle that, that wrestlers love pain but if you're gonna be yeah. a bodybuilder man, you kind of have to love pain I as well what, he, yeah. he's he's amazing at it mean mean well and but i like i you know i always say i don't want I, I, I don't need abs, you know. I don't need to look good with my shirt off. You need a functional core. I want to. I want to be yeah, able to functional like functional core is I'll, important. Well, not even functional. I always just say like, I want to. I want to pull a like an airplane with my face on ESPN World Strongest Man at like three in the morning. <laughs> like that's how. Yeah, that's versus sh- Magnus von Magnus. Yeah, that's it. Manliest <laughs> name ever, Magnus von <laughs> Magnus. Exactly. But you were talking about combat sports, and it's all on you. I. This stuck with me years and years ago when Max Kellerman was on ESPN the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got on there and he had his show. And he was, you know, he's the boxing guy. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh no, I am Max is what he left for. But yes, I know what you're talking about. He was the boxing so, guy. He was the boxing guy. Up. And they were talking about a boxing match, and he got on there and he got so fucking meta, it was ridiculous, and it just stuck with me. And he talked about how every sport, every kind of competition. It's about imposing your will upon your opponent. Yeah, that's exactly. In most sports, you use an object that's a metaphorical means to impose that will. That ball. In tennis, you use the ball. Mm-hmm. It's one on one, but the ball represents your that's, dominance yes, yes, over that, the other yes, opponent yes. and imposing your will over the, uh, the the other player. In boxing, and the same in wrestling or in MMA or any kind of combat sport. You are literally the object. Literally I've imposing never your. About that. You are literally imposing your will upon your opponent to the point where they cannot respond. It's anymore. it's true imposition of will, like it's physically a, it's a and mentally. There's yes. no me, there's no median. There's no medium to do it. There's no football. There's no ball. Man. There's no object. There's no score. It's or they they keep score on the tabs, but. Really, the object is to impose your will on your opponent to the point where they cannot even yeah, physically respond. Yeah, I've never, look, I've never really thought about that. And look, that, your worst loss will fucking stick with you ever. Yeah. I was 16 years old, and Derek Deason from Baker High, I was, I had been wrestling like 178 or 172, and I had to wrestle 189 
because somebody else couldn't make, you know, we just needed somebody. <laughs> so here I am at about 176 at the time, uh, wrestling a monster. He, was, he, he weighed in at 189. He was probably like 195 whenever we took the mat. And, like, I was like, I look like a, it looked like me standing next to you right now. And, and that's, that was the size difference. And I was like, oh, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> that's that's always kind be of fast. a terrifying feeling, man. And it was 16 seconds. He put me on my back. <laughs> like, he just, you know, we locked up. And yeah. I was like, I was, I was like, I, I didn't even, like, this isn't a human being. Like, this is a grizzly bear that's got me. <laughs> And he just whooped straight to my back. I tried to lift, and I was like, I'm trying to lift. Nope, not nothing's happening, and it's over. And it's, yeah, that's, I mean, that was my experience with wrestling because I was young. It was probably in, like, ninth grade, and I think I weighed, like, 215. But wrestling that weight class with ninth – because I had no real muscle, right? I'm just, like, this chubby little this chubby little kid. And hey, that's how the I 215 class was full of, like, all these, like, jacked upperclassmen. Yeah. I was just getting my ass whooped. All the time, and then I think the one match I actually won, it was even that was even a terrible experience. I only won because I accidentally almost like broke a kid's neck through some like oh. just it, it, wow. his deal where his chin hit the mat and his feet came over and touched like oh. over his head. Oh, he went he went Russian gymnast. Yeah, he got like his back oh. got bent up. That's he called full scorpion right there. Yes, full scorpion. Full scorpion. <laughs> couldn't and he couldn't like he, 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 he like lost feeling in his uh, legs or something for like twelve hours, something sketchy. So Ooh. even the one match that I won, I was kind of traumatized. And so after that, I was like, I'm, 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 I'm done, man. I'm just doing. And it wasn't even because I did anything good. It was just like a kind of freak thing. So I, yeah. I I'll never forget though the the ref raised my hand and. Nobody clapped. It was such a scary moment, except for one of my friends who's just oblivious <laughs> to everything. Stood up, yeah, rock out. Like, dude, chill out, man. Come on now, dude. One, back, one, back of, one of the scariest moments for me, uh, I was wrestling a kid from Lehigh, Keetrick Barber, and it was another situation where, like, I was going to finish, like, I was going to be like a runner-up in city, and Keetrick was going to be, like, in the finals of state. Like, yeah. that's... yeah. And, yeah. and we were friends, you know, and uh, and he went to take me down, and, like, I slipped, and he was actually trying not to hurt me because whenever I started to fall awkward, he tried to pull me around. <laughs> and uh, if you've ever seen the WWF where they, they do, like, the backbreaker where you just drop them yes, right, right on the, the knee. knee. Yeah. And that's what my lower back did. Oh, and no. I, I, I hyperextended, like, every muscle in my back. They took me out on a stretcher, oh, like, shit. six weeks of PT on <laughs> that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I could walk, but, you know, like, yes. I, I, I couldn't, like, Lift anything. I like, never had to leave. I've never had to leave on a stretcher I've, for an I've still injury. I've sciatic kind of pain. Forty years later, I got to get a cortisone Ooh. shot like once a year. Oh yeah, it's a sciatic nerves no joke. Oh, My yeah. mom had to have her hip replaced. Well, she's in ooh. incredible shape. I was gonna say, wow. and, and I say that, and so like once a year I get my sciatic pain. But my 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 one lifting thing that I like to do is deadlift. Uh, yeah, because he's, 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 so yeah, so Ric Flair. Woo, sixteen time Nature world heavyweight Boy. champion. Mm-hmm. I saw up. a video of him in December. Uh, he deadlifted 400 pounds at 67. I, saw that. I yeah. saw that video. And so I was like, all right, well, if Ric Flair can deadlift six, at 400 at 67, at 38, I was 38 at the time, I was like, I got to be able to deadlift 400. No. And so I gave my goal, I gave myself a goal this summer to deadlift 400. Okay, I thought you were just going to go in cold no. and be like, oh, I'm no, going to no, 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 throw 400 no. on that no. right now. I, <laughs> I started in December, and the day before, February 18th, was my 39th birthday. And the day before it on February 17th, I got my 400. Hey, nice. Thank Cheers. you, sir. Hell yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And so since then, I think I got like 410 that day. And so since then, I was like, 
maybe I ought to just try and go for five. Oh. And so I've been trying it. How I've, I've been you? working. What's uh, 425 I got. Uh, 450 like, I, I got to ask my friends uh, that do CrossFit, because I don't, I don't do gloves, I don't do knee wraps, I don't do a belt. It's just, I just lift. Mm. So no, no hand wraps or anything, no. which uh, helps significantly. Occasionally, I'll wear gloves. Like if my calluses are really bad, yeah. I do have gloves that I wear, but I don't like Never to. Hurt. The, the alternate uh, grip only helps so much. Yeah. So oh, at yeah. That point. And uh, so I've tried 453 times, including this morning. And you know how like whenever you go to lift something really heavy, like you can feel the bar flex a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I can't even get that with 450. I was like, I was <laughs> 25 pounds less than this, no, look, and I got it, it all the way. Maxine, Maxine's weird like that, but, right? I mean, Maxine, you're yeah. dealing with so, tiny, tiny margins yeah, where so that the, cutoff this is. This morning, I got you know, I tried the 450 and I couldn't do it, so I, I knocked two off, and I so it's 370, and I knock out 10 at 370, and I knock off two more or. Uh, Three, yeah, 370 and then two, 360, I did 10, and then 270, I did 15. And I was like, but I can't do I – can't, I can't get the bar to flex. It's like, it's like it's like one of those curves that just kind of hyper-accelerates to the top. Yeah. Asymptote. Asymptote. Yeah. So, yeah, as you're getting closer to that max yeah. number, your reps go – I mean, it goes quick. So I think mm. I'm going to have to get a belt because – you know, well, I, you want to protect that lower back. I used to always lift yeah. with the belt, too. See, I've never lifted with a belt. I used to probably love lifting with a belt. But then, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I, I think I'm probably never going to lift again. I like, like, I like the, all the body weight stuff. Like, I, That's right. You're, I mean, it's not, the, well, you're no. not a schlub just sitting on the sofa all day. You're yeah. doing body oh, weight. Oh, yeah, stuff. no, you're, no. Look, I very much believe in working out. Like, I do not want to be one of the people that is out there killing themselves because they're allowing their body to get fat. Like, right. it's, it's just, it's, it is truly an epidemic. And so I very much like, I, I think it was, somebody explained to me one time, like, um, if you're getting, if you're like tripping out of a car, you want to be able to catch yourself. And that's a very baseline to work off of, but that always kind of stuck out to me because it, it's pretty stark how many people probably couldn't pass that test without injuring themselves yeah. and, that, and that sucks because when you let yourself go that badly it's really hard to Look, as, get as somebody oh, yeah, who yeah. just uh one uh, I, I hate to even say one in three quarter years but summer <laughs> of quarter years, i know some, that goes summer there. of 2014 uh or 2015 I was 295-ish pounds. Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, one and three-quarter years yeah. sounds whoa. very Canadian. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it's it, very Canadian. I know how that goes, too, though, because yeah. you want to get the timing right, but yeah. you worry, like, am I being it weird saying one and three-quarters? Yeah. Yes, yeah. A little less than two years. I was about almost 300 pounds, and I was drinking, like, three bottles of whiskey a week. Yeah. Problem. Uh, <laughs> and so then, you know, we started doing, like, portion control and meal prep, and, like, I quit I quit drinking what yeah, I was wait, drinking. So what are you down to? Because you're not even looking close to I there. get, uh, you, being a larger guy yourself, you know, like, you can fluctuate 10 pounds yes, in a day. Yes, not a big deal. I hit, I go anywhere like 218 to 225 in nice, a day. Nice, man, nice. I want to get to 199 for, like, an afternoon. Ah. <laughs> and then just, like, I just want a picture of it on the scale to be like, aha. Use some of those old wrestling techniques. Yeah. Get yourself, just wrap oh, yourself yeah. in tinfoil and like, go could. to the sauna. Yeah, you do I like could. Martin I... Lawrence and go run in the heat 95 degrees with uh, you know, you the don't full even suit. Yeah, and then get run, rush to the hospital when your kidneys are about to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, combat sports. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I want to get back down to like, I want to get to like 210 and I can cut to 199 in like three days. <laughs> 
Look, hey, if I was cutting, cutting weight for for the one ninety nine picture, look, just I just want I just want one ninety nine point nine on the scale. So I can like take a picture for Snapchat and throw some little bitmoji on there, <laughs> save that shit forever, and then oh, I'm gonna man. eat like a large pizza and a half a bottle of bourbon. Yeah, well, yeah, that's and what you gotta do after you cut weight. Because 220s where I feel good, you know. Yeah, yeah man. Exactly. I look, I, I think weight, weight weight is a I I don't judge based off of uh, the numbers. No, it's about how you feel. I look I mean, at it like this now. My scale chest, is one metric to look. Yes, at. my yeah. chest sticks out further than my gut. I'm good. Too many and people. Not a bad one too either. many people look at the scale as the only metric. Yeah, there is such a thing as skinny fat. I know yeah. a lot of people who are skinny fat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Well, I mean, I, bird I, legs and a gut. I don't even understand how that works. Or people who are just skinny, but they're totally out of shape. Yeah, yeah, bad they, bodies. They have, yeah, bad soft, flabby, oh, yes. no conditioning. So, so I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm trying to be a power lifter. Uh, deadlift is my only thing. I do super heavy. Yeah. I do a lot of like farmer walks, and I do a lot of. Uh, uh, most everything I do is dumbbells. So like I'll I'll get like sixty pound dumbbells, do ten presses, ten close grip presses, get up, do curls till I can't stand it anymore, do rows with each arm, and then I'll walk from one end of the gym to the back, and that's one set. And I try and do like ten of those. That's that that's that meathead arm workout look, oh, right look. there. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, that's just that's just upper because I do all upper body, and then the next day like I'll run for an hour. So and he does all I don't that do bef- running. And he does all that before I would imagine you are even up for yeah. your morning show. Yeah, I do that at like three thirty. What? Yeah, I go to I go yeah. to Planet Fitness right down the road over there about three fifteen, three thirty every He's morning. He's up every if you sleep till what three o'clock? That's a, that's a late. Yeah, yeah. If late. if everything goes right, I'll sleep until three. So what time do you go to bed? Eight nine o'clock depends. If 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 we got something we're watching on TV or if we go out, I can stay up. Yeah. If it's just like Tuesday and she's like, oh, I'm going to watch him Dancing with the Stars, and it's 7.45, I'm like, nah, I'll go see what's on the computer, nothing, and I'll be in bed. Thanks. See, I'm, I'm, I'm working that direction. I had a bit of a weird shift, though, because when I was in New Orleans doing radio. You were doing night. Yeah, I was doing nights. I was doing yeah. 8 to midnight. Every night for um, I'm just glad we've been getting all these topics we had planned. What happens every one of these is like we come in with a list of topics. Screw and the then topics and <laughs> just roll <laughs> over to yeah. yeah. If we get to no. the topics, great. If this not, is don't much work. better than Absolutely. But it's um oh shit, what were we talking about? The, okay, the, the night we're doing eight a weird to schedule. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was doing eight to midnight for like two and a half, three years. Oh, and Jesus. Yeah, that was uh, that was not my favorite schedule. It's one of the reasons why I come back to Baton Rouge so attractive. It's gonna be back in the mornings. Wow. But that was a definite shift because then I wouldn't go to bed till like three or four. Because when you get off of work, you don't want to go like right to sleep. You want to go yeah. right to sleep, right? And then so now I'm probably waking up about four, but uh, it's not bad, dude. And you gotta I, be I at the station for what time? Uh, we're seven to nine right now. I wish we could get a third hour, but that's a conversation for another day that's ESPN hey, Gordy Rush are you listening yeah yeah, yeah. well it's, it's, it's all the national ESPN lights oh, all yeah, the kind yeah. of BS because they want Mike and Mike and their shows on but yeah so it show starts at 7 but I like to wake up at 4 get in the studio by like 4.30 4.45 and just I'll have some general prep done the night before yeah. but then that's when I really get into the weeds of those like two and a half hours yeah. before so yeah. yeah I get like uh, 1.30 I have three dogs we got pugs you wake up at 1.30? I get up at 1.30 because one of my dogs, my oldest dog, uh, he Luke. usually needs to go pee around then. <laughs> mm, and he's got also, three pugs. And also, I need to go pee around then. Oh, my God. So I'll take him out, and then I'll come back in, and I can usually sleep 
sometimes uh, that that's so far that's the only good thing that's come with not drinking as much. It used to be whenever I'd wake up at one thirty. That's yeah, it. Yeah, you were done. That's ball for game. I'm, yeah. I'm awake. Yeah. Uh, now I can usually go back to sleep until like three, and then get up and you know. There's get nothing ready for the gym. better to me than when I wake up at like one a.m. and I'm worried like, oh god, I'm about to have to get up, and then you look at the clock. Oh fucking right, dude. <laughs> three more hours. So Let's far, go. so yeah. far I haven't yeah. experienced that yet. But I've never been. I've never been one of them. Like when like I get in bed, like you know she's on her phone, she's watching TV for an hour. When I get in bed, within three minutes, I'm out. Oh, That's no, it. I'm no, just no. immediately unconscious. You know what's helped me with that? And now I can fall asleep within 15 minutes anytime. And this is all, now it circles all the way back around. Because this is what I was really trying to say. I didn't learn any of this shit in college. Uh, is listening to audiobooks. Oh, I fucking love audiobooks. Love audible.com. Got on that through listening and hearing the advertisements and podcasts, especially Dan Carlin. Shout out. To hardcore history. Hardcore but, history uh, is awesome. I just wish it would come out more than world. like. Oh, oh, I know. We got two I episodes know. in a row. Quality, quality yeah. over quantity, though. It's but like, I, I agree. I you mean, get like two episodes in a month, and then six months later, you get another episode. Like Jesus. Damn. I know. I know. I know. But it, they're always worth the always wait. Always amazing. But uh, but yeah. So but that's my new deal. Is that's how I have learned a lot about like listen to books on Caesar, Augustus, and Julius on the fall of the Roman Republic on. Napoleon, Genghis Khan, uh, but then I always keep like fun books as well, like I re-listen to Lord of the Rings and whatever the fun book is, I put that on at night, 15 minute sleep timer, guaranteed I fall asleep in that 15 minutes all the time. And it's, and the re- only reason I bring this up is because that was never like that for me. I was very much one of those anxious, could not quiet your mind, could not go to sleep type person. I find mm-hmm. that this gives me something to focus on so that yeah. then my mind is allowed to drift. Correct. Well, all right, yeah. so next time you're looking for a new book, Bill Bryson, uh, At Home, is one of my favorite books ever. I've read the book, and I've listened to the audiobook about 40 times. Bill Bryson, At Home? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bill Bryson, it's, it's, he basically he bought this English country house, and he started walking through the house, and he was like, it's in England, and he's looking mm. at all the different rooms Imagine of the house, that. And he starts researching, like, oh, what was what was the history of the closet, and what was the pantry originally for, and so it goes into like the history of these things, but it also leads you through a history of of uh, modern America, furniture making, English history, Whoa. European history, like the way people traveled. It's the, kind of like stopping and really taking in your surroundings yeah, and, and the stories I mean, and they have to when, tell. When they're in the okay. kitchen, he talks about salt, and so then he gets into like all the wars that were fought fought over salt because salt used to be the most prized thing yeah. in the world like salt more wa- more wars were fought for salt than gold or religion that's like, insane is that, why, is that why Carter had the salt talks exactly okay and, <laughs> and, uh, and he you know and stuff you never think about like you, you see you see like a really old trunk and the top is rounded you know, like like yeah, an old trunk. Yeah, yeah, like a steamer trunk. Yeah, right. the top is rounded because whenever they used to have to put everything in their wagon and travel, yeah, it was rounded so that the water would roll off the top. Oh. But the reason why they all have flat tops now is because since everybody lives in one place, you store them. You store them. So you need to be able to stack them. Right. So ah. now it's a flat top. And then people decided, well, if i got to get to that bottom trunk, I don't want to have to unstack everything, so I need drawers in this. And that mm. turned into dressers. 
That is wild. But it's it's a man. million tiny stories right, about that. Cool. What's his name? Again? Bill Bryson. Bill Bryson. I'll, right. I'll send it to you. Uh, I'll definitely have to check it out. I have like three or four free credits from Audible. Then he's got another ridiculous one called "A Small History of Nearly Everything," and it's basically the same thing. Only instead of just the house and shit in the house, it goes back to like the beginning of the universe, and it gets really deep Whoa. and weird. But he tries like, to keep like it as simple as possible. Yeah. I um well, if you're a hardcore history fan, then I would say that I trust your judgment. Yes. I'll yes. definitely have to check it out. Nice. You ever listen to Hardcore History? No. I, I, I'm a Hardcore History evangelist. Yeah. Mainly because to, he, uh, Dan Carlin, is the one who uh, kind of, I think that he gives a perspective on history that you don't get too often, as in, like... He tries to he tries to keep his biases out of it for the most part. Oh, yes. I, I think he does a good job of yes. letting you know kind of what the differing uh, opinions are on any given subject. But my favorite part is when he kind of, when he makes it personal, right? When you're like kind of offered perspective that you would have never had had otherwise. Or maybe when you're sitting there in your normal history class, you don't really stop and think about it. Like that boots right. on the ground, like what would have actually been like. Yeah, right. It gives you that real life perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, act, in, there's in probably practice. not been a, it's crazy between that and then this podcast common sense and just how that love of that podcast then went to me reading all these different books. Like, I don't know if there's been a more impactful person in my life these last three or four years like they are a guiding voice than this dan carly guy it's pretty pretty fascinating but nice. no relation to george yeah so this no is yeah no, uh, this is all just uh more evangelism for the hardcore history podcast and, nice. and look look i'm a thousand percent with you i will i will sit in the back and raise my hands and sing hosanna <laughs> while you preach the gospel you know i think this might be a good opportunity a good place for a segue to if we're talking about history uh, there's a little bit of history uh, discussion going on here in South Louisiana yeah. recently with uh, people trying to erase history. Look. You're trying to erase history. Look, uh, we- so Beauregard is Beauregard. Yeah. Uh, the live stream, boy, they they, uh, they put straps on that horse and, and Beauregard uh, for hashtag like... Hashtag Beauregard. <laughs> uh, they put straps and adjusted straps for like three hours. And then they put the strap on on. Look, and <laughs> drove them de- home. In their defense, though, when you're dealing with like a forty thousand pound piece yeah. of bronze, yeah, you probably want to be super careful super with that. Yeah, how heavy it is? But it was I nice. No that they did it, it, it looks really heavy. Though. <laughs> it was nice they did it in prime time, though. They didn't do it at like four or five in the morning, like when you were just waking up. Yeah, they did it as the sun was going down, and they streamed it. And apparently, they had the barricades. Well, they had a really cool shot as the sun was going down of the cops on the horse. Oh, I didn't see it. Riding towards the camera in the same direction that Beauregard and his horse were facing. Whoa. And it almost looked like they were riding with Beauregard. That okay. is wild, yeah. dude. But, I'd like to see that picture. But they had, it was on Twitter. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. But they had the barricade on either side in like a little alley. And on one side were the people who were happy about what was happening. And on the other side, the losers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, about one o'clock in the morning, I woke up this morning. Apparently, they brought in like the Truth Brass Band, and they were playing their rendition of uh, uh, "Take Them Down." Uh, my friend Chad Calder from, wow. from the Advocate said that they w- played Pete Rock "Shut Them Down." No, <laughs> WWOZ, according to Chad Calder, he said WWOZ was actually playing "Fight the Power." Oh, Shit yeah. yeah. Shit, yeah. Beauregard was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. Straight up racist. Yeah. The sucker was simple and plain. Motherfucking man, Robert E. Lee. Yeah. 
So what's crazy about Robert E. Lee is that in this, and look, as you can tell from the kind of history spiel that I just went on, I am a huge fan of history. And yeah. so, like, this is something that I'm kind of particularly interested in because a lot of people do view this as a racing history. I don't know if I agree, and we, we can discuss that, but uh, the Robert E. Lee thing I was mentioning, he has a quote uh, that is from post-war, and I wish... I could remember exactly what it said off the top of my head, but he basically says that, like, all, um, all, he doesn't specifically use the word monuments, but all, but he basically says, like, all monuments, all kind of reminders of the Civil War and the feelings that it engendered, they need to be swept away. And why wow. I find that, why I find that intriguing, I don't even think he's coming from some sort of moral standpoint, like slavery was wrong, now it's not. I don't think, I think that that comes from the perspective of someone who saw what that war did yeah, firsthand the to the country, the country and, and, the people. and the carnage that, it, that yeah. it wrought. And I think that that kind of firsthand perspective, for him to say that, right. I think carries a bit of weight right. in my, my opinion. It, when you say, oh, he puts you on a pedestal, that really you're, means that. That really yeah. means it. You're putting... Oh, no, it's history. No, you're literally putting these people and these monuments on a pedestal. Well, and that's why, like, a lot of people say, well, you should leave them... up, And because and, one angle that people take, and I think it's kind of like a path to hell's paved with good intentions, in my opinion, and just that I don't think they're coming from a bad place, is that some people say, well, you need to be reminded. You don't want to just... Uh, gloss over the darker parts of your history that you need to be reminded of that so you can well, avoid the situation in the future the okay. problem is to your point when you see those that's, monuments you are not thinking oh that's a bad guy yeah, or like oh, oh that was it. that was a bad time for the yeah. country no you you're, are you you're are glorifying you are you're glorifying, glorifying. It. and and that's funny is the same people who say well you need to remember that kind of forget the fact that or they come up with this other excuse so no the civil war was fought for states rights it had nothing to do with slavery even though the articles but, of but secession then, though, it's not like mentioned the word slavery they're numerous not, times they're and not states melting over like yeah. states rights are over slaves. Slaves. yes exactly they're yeah. not melting the statues down they're putting them in like they're putting like them in like museums everything and they're everything keeping. everything i've seen Everything I've seen is, what are they going to do next? Start burning books? Nobody said burning books. Nobody said they're getting rid of the statues. They're putting them in a museum. The problem is, is all the people were like, keep my statue. They don't know what a museum is. They've no. never been there. <laughs> and, like, so so my position on this is well known. Like, I don't, it's not a thing. Like, I'm not looking out. I'm not being like, hey, this is has to do with race. We should get. My thing is, if nothing else, at the end of the day, they lost the war. Well, they I mean, lost the, like, the the only thing I would argue against that would be that if you're in the South and yes, you lost the war, but there were a lot of lives sacrificed in that effort. Like I understand the thought process of being like, we want to honor these years. Unfortunately, a lot of we, these statues, we, when they were erected, we it wanna, was during like Reconstruction, yeah, right? Exactly. And, we want to honor not, these heroes who betrayed America and killed. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but it, it, it was not actually yeah. about like honoring, I guess, um, something like it's, it's valiant or noble sacrifices. It was their ancestors. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. It was to yeah. show black that, people kind it, of like precisely. The, no, I, I just look at it like this, though. Uh, they're like the South's going to do it again. Oh, fuck. We didn't do it the first time. We didn't. To do it again, you would have had to have done it once. We lost. We don't need a participation trophy. Let it go. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's try it. I don't know. Why don't Why don't we build like 
cool shit statues. Like you can still call Lee Circle. We'll put a statue of Bruce Lee there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, you know, you know what I go to New examples for? of Bruce Lee Circle. Positive people that you, Bruce Lee Circle does sound kind of Bruce badass. There are pretty, pretty, pretty examples of people who would be deserving. We call a round, a roundhouse, roundhouse of said <laughs> round statue. Roundhouse about. A roundhouse about. A roundhouse about. Oh my god. <laughs> but it's, it, for me, like it's, uh, and, and this is also we. I was discussing it. At, uh, I, I know I probably shouldn't say we're, we were discussing it at work today. Uh, I look at it like this too. If I see a group of like just sloppy. 400 pound dudes who are still wearing like a medium t-shirt that they and and like there's dip stains on it and like they they got like a skull thing in their front pocket and a dip cup at the protest I'm just gonna go ahead and side against whatever it is they're Doesn't on that matter. side of hey 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 they could be they that what they they could very well be dipping and Cheering for those monuments to be brought no, down. Not, not with that gut. Not, <laughs> not with the, not with the gut and like that, like, like not. It's, it's not that the t-shirt's too small. It's just that it's that super thin fitted fabric. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, it's a comfort shirt. Yeah, yeah, comfort there, fit. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's when, getting warm in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, but that. Guess what? Those shirts just make you so sweat crop top. But, but if if you got if you got a dip, and like a trucker hat and a gut. Your odds are you're not going to be out there like Darwin had it right. We need to evolve. Like you're not chanting that. I've I've based most of my life decisions on just whatever those people are cheering for. I go the opposite way. As someone who used to so enjoy far, smokeless tobacco, I am standing hey, up hey. against these smokeless hey. tobacco stereotypes here. No, no, it's not. Uh, it's not just dip. Dip is just one part oh, of it. Oh, it's one, yes. Like it's you because, said, it's one piece because, of a large piece of the as, as someone who used to, you know, I, I smoked cigarettes for a long time, too, but whenever I wrestled, smoking cigarettes, like, it's after I quit wrestling, I went back to smoking, like, two, three packs a day. But whenever I wrestled, I still needed my nicotine, so I dipped. Yeah, yeah So I'm also, you know, I'm a dipper, too, you know, back in the day. So I'm not anti-dip. Uh, it's, it's the whole package, you know. It's my 1974 pickup. Uh, my homemade rifle rack. Some for some reason I got two CB antennas. Even though you, no matter what kind of rig you got, you only need one. Super tight shirt, big giant gut. Oh uh, man! And 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 like and like your dip's not in the glove compartment because like oh, I might take a dip. You know, maybe I'll get one later. Like you got to have it on yeah, you, you at all times. You got to have it in that front, I, I, front I, or back pocket. I need it in my pocket, but I also need it in my shirt pocket too because you got to have my backup dip. <laughs> and like, there's got to be a little dribble of dip spit somewhere on that shirt, and it's not like, oh, I got, I got like a like a styrofoam cup. No, no, no. I got like half a sprite bottle. Like I just cut the top off yeah. of the sprite bottle, oh. and I'm gonna carry that around and with it's me. It's like a, a couple of paper towels. Oh at yeah, the oh you gotta yeah. have paper towels. And what are you, a savage? You, you yeah. might spill it if you didn't yeah. have paper towels in it. Nah, man. If you're Those a real are man, the people. If you're a real man, you swallow that shit. Yes, I, I never did that. Ooh, I, did. I know a I did few on accident crazy once. motherfuckers that used to just swallow just it by swallow choice. It. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And look, yes, I, I think if you were to make broad generalizations, the majority. Or not the majority, but um, there are many people. What who about would generalizations fall. about broads? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a different topic. But uh, yeah, look, a lot of people would fall into that category. Um, and disagreeing with those people, probably a good thing. And and I just, I mean, look, and, and those are the type of attitudes I don't really have time for are some of the ones who 
uh, want to, I guess like, okay, like the, the arguments that I can kind of see legitimacy are the ones that I discussed, right? Where they are talking about history and how you shouldn't shy away from the darker parts of your history because it's how you learn from, right? Like right. that's an intelligent reason argument. When people start talking about having their culture erased and this or that, I become Why genocide? Not, not wholly unsympathetic, but yeah, saying something as extreme as white genocide, why that becomes to me so contentious is if you do reading into the actual African American perspective, or you actually right. empathize. Think about yeah, empathy really would be the word for me. But like if you yeah, if you think about like I, Neil Gaiman has his book American Gods. It's a novel. It's not. It's not a. Um, you know, it's fictional. But it's a. Hang on. It's a comic sounds, series. It's a new TV show on, on Stars. Stars. I haven't seen the TV and, show yet. I've yeah. heard good and things. I don't. I don't. I don't want to just cut back in and go back to Audible. But if you get the audio book, that's what I got. The ten. Do you, you, the, do you yeah, have the regular, year, the ten year anniversary, with where he's reading one of the parts? Oh yes. My God. Yeah. Oh yeah. My so God. the chapter. <laughs> I got a new best friend. The chapter in that book <laughs> where they detail the absolutely harrowing experience of um, a brother and a sister taken out of their tribe in Africa, taken on the slave boats, taken to America, and yes, it is a fictionalized account, but. It's one of those situations where when you actually stop and you really think about some of the firsthand experience and perspective, saying if it's Neil Gaiman, he get, researched all that oh, too. Oh yes, and you start to get it, it just it, it breaks down, and I don't know how you can hear that kind of story. I mean, I found it hard to listen to, like it was so. Yeah. And and you think about for many. African Americans over here, I mean, that's how their family or, or their lineage would have originally gotten to America was having their culture completely erased, being ripped away, and then right. being sold and that as objects. So, so, and that didn't just suddenly end in 1865. No. Yes, exactly. Right. See, I mean, we had segregated schools until, what, 70 years yeah, ago? That's right. the problem. And is these assholes think like, oh, that was a long all. time ago. You didn't have to deal. Guess what? Look, look, I can't relate to any of it. No. I cannot relate to any of it. But if... If you tell me I'm supposed to be just as good or equal as everybody else, but then I walk into a government building and there's a fucking Confederate flag hanging there and a statue of the general right outside of it, am I going to feel like, even even if I don't notice it, like even if it's not like... Subconsciously. Just, even if I don't just see there. it in my face, that's in your head. It's in there. As somebody who just recently went through some psychological shit... And realized, oh, there's all kind of stuff going on in my head that I didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. That shit is there, man. It's there. It's a and constant reminder. And I think, like, perception kind of determines reality. And regardless of some of the nuance and some of the arguments that people will make in favor of the South's cause in the Civil War, um, in my opinion, it does all go back to the common denominator, which essentially is slavery. Like, every topic you're arguing over is tied directly into it. Or and with our modern perspective, I think we've evolved and we've kind of as a world said yeah. that at least in civilized countries, and it's not to say that we don't uh, look, the human trafficking still goes on. There's still problems. Yeah. But like you do not have we can try and be the better. leading governments of the world openly. Yeah. Gay. We've kind of said that it's not acceptable. It is immoral and it is evil. And with that in mind. I'm actually okay with ignoring some of what I what I would describe as kind of grading on the historical curve because yeah. that's another reason yeah. that people will use. Well, you can't judge them for what they did back then because that was just the times. People yeah. have been slaves throughout human 
history. History, right? right. Yeah. So what we are in now is still relatively recent, but that's where it really breaks down to me when people tell me, well, it's such a long time ago. How are no, people still... Like, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not, not. Relative to the big picture, it's not long at all. And, and to expect me, like, everybody to just be... The relationship between everybody just be great and for everybody to be caught up and equal and just accepting of each other at this time. No, it's crazy. There's still a lot of work. How about this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, look, can't we just try and be all right? Like, can't we just try and be good people? Like, like, I understand no matter if, if everything goes, because to me, my personal opinion on all of it, I don't need a statue of anything. I don't need a church or a mosque or any religion in the world. I don't need any of that stuff. If you just said, Hey, why don't we just all teach our kids to just try not to be an asshole? Yeah. Just try not to be an asshole. Yeah. The world would be, you wouldn't, we wouldn't need Islam. We wouldn't need Baptists. We wouldn't need any of it. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, and that's the. Because at the end of the day, like now some religions, like you're going to have extreme in every religion. You got, you got extreme Muslims, but then you got like the people who are like, we got to kill abortion doctors. Like you got, you got lunatics everywhere. Religion yeah. is often religion, a vehicle for people's agendas. At the base of every yeah. religion is, hey, just try yes. not to be an asshole. Yeah. Like that's yeah. all they all come down yeah. to. Like if everybody just told you kids every day. Don't be a jerk. No, look, as someone who grew up in a Christian school, Bible class every day, chapel every day, yes, right? Um, if you were to remove a lot of the kind of politics or what I would almost describe as perversion of the message at times, like the base message of the Bible is it's incredibly solid, man. And it's one that if you actually live by it, you would have a... Content, and, but, fulfilling, and, and that's, kind of life. That's I same, just don't agree with a lot of the that same stuff base is the base of off. every religion. Yes, and that's not yeah. just the Bible. It's just yeah, that, it's, and my it's, like that's it, yeah, the book that I know. But I've talked to Muslims, and they they, they would say the same thing about Quran, Jewish mm-hmm. people, and the and, Torah. So I, I, the, I'm with you, man. But it's just that is that the, the thing is humans though today. are degenerate. Yeah. We're degenerate creatures, it, I was kind say, of. At the end of the day, we're still mass. animals. We're still animals. Like exactly. somebody's going to break that social look, contract and agreement. Look, I got a thumb. Yeah. You know, I got opposable, opposable thumbs. Somebody figured out how to how to put a microphone together, and like I can talk into it, and people all around the world can hear me. But at the end of the day, I'm still just a stupid bear. You know, I'm just a bear <laughs> with a good hair. Like there's like, billions yeah. and billions you're, you're of stars eight. in this universe. You're a smart shaved look, eight. I, I, we're look, all, we're, I, we're I, all look, smart I, shaved eight. I don't even it's know like if I'm Joe a shaved Rogan. eight. I don't even know if I'm a shaved eight because I've seen like gorillas do some things and and chimpanzees <laughs> do some things, and I'm like, I, I would have never thought of that. I look to me. I'm well, just they have four opposable thumbs. Yeah. So that's I'm an true. amoeba. <laughs> I mean, they kind of got the advantage. In a galaxy of billions and billions yeah. of things that nobody will ever understand. But the whole there's ep- so much stuff the, that we'll the, never understand. But just to bring it all back together, yeah. the people who are like they're burning books. They're erasing history. Look around Germany. Do you see any Hitler memorabilia? Yeah. No. Yeah. Do the, you see the, statues to Hitler? No. no. He did some good things for Germany. The trains ran the, on time. Not even outside of the train joke. He did some things for their economy, for their infrastructure. He did things that were good before he fucking went off the rails. And do they have statues to him? Fuck no, they don't. No. But do you know what they do? They teach it in class because it's history and it's important that people learn that yeah. shit and know about it. But they don't it's exalt this, it. It's the same thing mm-hmm. here. You can learn history. You can teach it. You don't have to be like, but but General Beauregard and, and President Davis 
You don't need that shit. You can say Jefferson Davis in the South believed this. This is what happened. The war started. The war was won. You can teach every bit of it without being like, and that's why we got a statue to him. Ta-da! Yeah. And, and now that that is something interesting, though, that question of where is that dividing line? Like, where is the dividing line? Because with almost any historical figure, good or bad, like, yeah, a lot of people that have statues, they won't have marks against them maybe as easy to argue. Like, okay, well, what if you were a general in the Civil War for the Confederacy, well, then it's easy to make an argument that you were fighting for slavery and that you should not be honored. But there are, there are people out there who are going to have statues up there that are kind of operating much more gray areas. And if you wanted to go into their life, yeah, there yeah. could be some questionable stuff. So that dividing yeah. line... Hey, history's written by the winners, baby. <laughs> so that, that dividing <laughs> line as to where that tipping point look, is, man, look, I, know I think that's a kind of interesting look, conversation because hey. I don't think there's hey. really a clear answer. It's just that it on is. this it issue is. specifically, I fall... To- on the side of taking you, them down. You have to divide it by... His, and I know it's... And again, this is... Guess what? Life ain't fair. The universe is random happenstance. You have to base it on the winners because if the South would have won, this wouldn't be... An, like, Spike we'd be having all well, different conversations Well, it is based on the winners, now, but yeah. I think we should give a more... I think we should give a more full picture. And we're talking well, about American but, history. But I mean, I you think, do have to lean a little bit towards, like... It was a good thing these dudes won. Because, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, in this case, it absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's good yeah. that slavery was abolished. But, I mean, they're... But, like, if... The, it, the history is win by the Renaissance can't be dangerous because, well, yeah, obviously, like you said, if the bad side wins, then that's going to be... Have you ever be. seen Spike Lee's Confederate States of America? No, uh-uh. Never It's have. basically a bunch of vignettes put together uh, with the preposition that the South won the Civil War. Oh, wow. And... I, I just remember little bits and parts of it. Probably wouldn't have podcasts. <laughs> yeah. But Spike Lee put it, it's it's a CSA, Confederate States of America. And uh, it's really interesting just to kind of hypothetically, what if the South won and what life would be like in contemporary times? What kind of ads would be on TV? What kind of shows would be on TV? It'd be great. Yeah. I, I, did, I don't it's know, tough know if to you can speculate out that far because I think eventually the rest of the world would have been like, all right, we just need to stop this shit. Because it was, you know, it was already coming, it was already coming that way anyway. Like everybody in the world was kind of like, yeah, maybe we need to stop being dicks about all this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you had look. I think Britain had outlawed slavery at the time, and then I'm yeah. sure there's yeah. people. Oh, yeah, yeah it tell was you, coming, regardless of who would have, regardless of who would have won that war. Eventually, it was coming. But like, I was just, ugh, just fucking. It's just, so you're saying, day, to, so you're saying today's slavery is universal health care. No, I'm saying today's slavery. Yeah, now we're getting into it. I'll I'll do you one better. I'll say today's slavery is uh, it's not even China making everything for pennies while people over here are losing their jobs. It's now Vietnam Mm. because now China's economy is starting to go down because Vietnam says, wait a minute, they'll make that for eight-tenths of a penny? We'll make it for seven-tenths of a penny. Well, and the other sad part is that there's still, like, actual... Slavery too, yeah. right? I mean that 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 that, that Child does go labor on. Oh, yeah. and everything here in the on. states, and as far as sex trafficking goes yeah. and everything. So like the human trade is a resilient one, and saying. it's not People going to go away. Bags. But I like that. It, I mean, it, it is right in my opinion, morally correct, that it is not accepted by the leading governments and. 
And and you should try to kind of divorce yourself from some of the, uh, and not ignore like we discussed, but yeah, divorce yourself from some of the things that maybe exalted such a practice yeah. in the past. I, I don't know. I just I think we need a, a more full look uh, in American history taught in schools. Uh, yeah. More comprehensive. Yeah, more comprehensive. There's a really then, good book, People's History of the United States. And then I... I Timothy's on something I can't remember who, but I'd recommend everybody reading that. It's American history written from um, the perspective who of the people who are on the losing side of a lot of these issues. So oh, you yeah. get you get the slaves' perspective, you get the Native Americans' perspective, oh, you yeah. get I also uh, feel like man, I'm, workers' labor's perspective, right. and like the industrial age and everything, and it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and and this this is how much like I've changed in my life. Like I used to never care about any of that shit, and I used to like. Uh, well, I will still say I'm a conservative Republican, but I didn't vote for Trump. Wouldn't vote for Trump. Uh, I voted third party in this one. Woo! Yeah. Uh, but, like, on, I always say, like, I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. I don't care who you marry. Uh, I don't give a shit about your stupid statue. But to me, the ones that piss me off the most are the people who are like, oh, they took down the statues. I guess all the crime's gone now, right? No. No asshole. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, fix everything. That but doesn't make you know sense what it is? to me either. You know, hey, hey, you know what it is? Even if it's just a symbolic thing, like even if it just makes you know, it's it's a fucking step in the right direction. Jesus Christ! You stop acting like well, like we your have families to- not full of dickheads too. Like we all got that member of our family who were just like, well, I mean, Uncle Joe went to jail again. Oh well, you know, he's got that meth problem. I really, Jesus Christ, I could have picked any name except for my Uncle actual Joe. uncle's name. <laughs> who does not have who has not been to jail. Well, some look some people have like trouble, I think, ex- accepting that there can be coexisting truths, right? Like right. yes, there can be a problem with crime in the city, specifically black on black crime. That does not mean that something like police violence versus minorities shouldn't be discussed. That does not mean yeah, that right. something like taking yeah, down monuments down should not be discussed. Yeah, yes, these, these are issues that everything. exist independently and separately of yeah. each actually, other. Actually, exactly. the thing that pisses me off the worst. Right. The thing that pisses me off the worst. They're like, oh, well, it's it's just the. Black on black crime, like like literally, you can't go to any news. Yeah, no, it's what you, you can't hear. go to any news website. Why are you, why are you worried about the comment section? Yeah, it was a eighty-eight percent of uh, black people that have crimes committed against them. Their victims, their, their perpetrators oh, are African American. Well, guess what? White people, the, about the same percentage is white yeah. people are the or perpetrators. How about this? How about this? Oh, you hunt within your own. What's what's the percentage of crime on on Mars? Oh, that's right. What's the percentage <laughs> of crime in in the in the uh, Optimus Nebula? Oh, oh I don't know. I don't, you know why? Because we got one planet, and I don't give a shit if you're black or white or red or whatever. This ball of dirt looks big to us. Yeah. It it's less than a grain of sand in the universe. Get over yeah. your own stupid shit <laughs> and just don't be a jerk all the time. Yeah, like the, I understand, the, there's sometimes you got to be a jerk. That, that, the utopian look, though, yeah, that would look, be that would be the ideal. But, no, no, but you have just, to, sometimes you got to be like I had to have a phone call. I had I I, I I had to have a come to Jesus meeting at work the other day with uh, a company that we work with. Like and I had to be like, hey, you know, I. I don't want to say, like, I had to motherfuck somebody, but I had to motherfuck somebody. <laughs> and that's not me being a dick. That's me telling them, like, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing, and you ain't doing it. And I've asked you nicely several times, so now i got to ask you like this. And I'm not asking you like this. I'm fucking telling you like this. Yeah. That's not being a jerk. 
being a jerk is is everybody that comments on a news Facebook social media post. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not racist, but we're burning. That you're being a jerk. You know you're being a jerk. Yeah. You know you're being a jerk. Yeah. Well, you're being a jerk. jerk. I think when you get into like um, when you kind of leave reasoned and intelligent debate behind, and you start going into just uh, name calling. That's. I mean that that that's. That that's kind of and where. And they never do that on the uh, on the app on the, some of the uh, the shows that y'all have. Oh, right? on the Huddle app. No, no, no. no they never do never, that on, no. the, on the app. It is that, that's been pretty interesting to me, man. Baton Rouge is a uh, much more. And I, and I knew this, but Baton Rouge is a much more conservative city than that of uh, New Orleans. Very, very good. red yeah. stick in the mud is what I like to call yeah. it. Red stick in the mud. Yeah. Have you ever heard about the origins of Baton Rouge? I'm reading uh, this book right now, the history of Baton Rouge, yeah. 1692 to 1882. So I, I can't red remember. On the post heads. Yes. heads yeah yeah heads. so they're blood yeah. the red this, with blood yeah this yeah. red uh poles right sticking out of sticking out of the river with yeah like you said animal heads and sacrifices and yeah. and kind That's of where but, the word astruma comes from right? yes yes with exactly that was the native american word they say for red stick just letting people know, hey, we're not, well, what's we're not taking that shit anymore. Fucking what's <laughs> fascinating about me to with all that is that, you know, Baton Rouge, it kind of seems like is this almost like ancient place of power. It's kind of similar to what Gaiman talks about in American Gods, right? Like these places that seem imbued with a certain power and for this little red stick and... To, you know, is these originally these very like fertile hunting grounds for that to then develop into the set city and the settlement it is today is kind of wild to me, especially because Baton Rouge has always been this this insane uh, crossroads. Like I just always yeah. assumed that Baton yeah. Rouge was French and that was it. No, but no, not no. not at all. The, the, the thing that we struck are me French when I first in Spanish and trash and well, uh, the, <laughs> the thing about Baton Rouge and and you made you may appreciate this is when I first moved up in '88 to come to LSU was. Yeah. The, the 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 amalgamation of accents. You had the Yad accent yeah. from New Orleans. You had the 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 redneck accent from Livingston and uh, northern part of the parish in the Felicianas. And then you go west and you get a little bit a the taste of Cajun. a little bit of the Yad accent yeah. mixed in with Cajun around Point Capi and West Baton Rouge. And then you go back down to Ascension and Assumption. Where, or you got you get the, the the more of a Kunas accent. And it's like that all. And then you have shot. Uh, Shingleton saying Shires and like what the fuck is that? <laughs> well, and and to me that's so cool because that's representative kind of of the crossroads that Baton Rouge has always been. I mean, the original French concession in the early 1700s actually didn't take off. What's wild to me, Baton Rouge didn't really get its start till they were under British rule. So you had the French try to settle the land. They can't do it. The British show up. They report seeing like a ghost town. Right? I heard like they tried to build a loop as well with like bears and all kind of <laughs> bears and all kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. wild animals running around. So then the British take over. They form a successful colony. They're trading. They're smuggling. Everybody's making money. Then eventually, Galvez and the Spanish take over. For finally, Americans take over. But I mean, right in there, you see the varied myriad of cultures and histories that our city's kind of bedrock, like our roots are entwined in and so yeah, yeah I mean it, it comes as no surprise that there are so many different um, different voices here I, I think it is a bit surprising to me though that in certain ways the city does seem as divided as it is seen as how it's right. always been that it's crossroads been a, and I think north? that's almost directly due to it's always the fact that everything was built 
off of slavery. And when you're talking about a city and civilization built off of slavery, I think there are deep divides and kind of that that are almost tied into your DNA that take generations to try to, uh, you know, what's crazy is it's always been divided. It's always been North divided. North Boulevard is a dividing line. You go but south, it's Beauregard Town. Everything is French. You go north, there's Spanish Town. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm talking about just even, even along race lines. Like yeah. it's always been divided, but yeah. it's literally the explosion of social media. And and I hate to go back to the comment sections on social medias right. and YouTube and everything else now. Like it's always been divided, but nobody really knew it. You know, there was yeah. always like there was always like a there was always like a ah, you know we we get along. You know I go to the grocery store and there's white people there and there's black people there and there's whatever there but nobody really knew that like the divide was as deep the as it is got exposed until yeah until yeah, until I, like, I, like they were like wait a minute i could i could create I, I could get just a random facebook account and i could everybody thought the fault I could just tell people what i really want line that yeah. took down the old woodlawn yeah, high school it's, it's no, not there's an actual, yeah. there's it's not it's not but that, that's it's everywhere though it's not yeah. Social media didn't isn't making anything worse. It's just exposing. It's it. just letting people see, like, oh shit, because like. So that's what I've always kind of wondered. It is. is. It, no. I, I think I, I kind of landed in that maybe it's some sort of mixture of the two. It's exposing yeah, well. stuff that was already there. But then in that, it's also an avenue for both sides to kind of get their point and, out there more. Yeah. But then, then, like, then it kind of exacerbates. It, like, builds on itself. You always right. have it gets, your it friend. false sense of bravery. Like, you always yeah. have your friends that, like, you know, like, they'd always make, like, an off-color joke. Like, well, I, I can't even say off-color joke because I used to, when I did stand-up, I did horrible jokes. <laughs> yeah. But you'd have, you'd have, like, a friend who would make, like, a racist joke or yeah. whatever. And, eh, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. But ne- but then and and so you know like but he was never really like harmful about you know like or, nobody was ever really but now like they can just put it out there and everybody can just see and you're like oh oh I thought this guy I thought he was just kind of a dick but he's he's a problem so my great kind of optimistic hope for all of that would be that what we are going through are kind of what I would describe as growing pains yeah. right like yeah. we talked a lot about this show about how deep-seated some of these issues, at least in my opinion, really are. Yeah. And so it's obviously going to take, even though we felt like we had gotten past them very quickly after the 60s, and it mm-hmm. was, I mean, there was a very strong socially conscious push. With I mean, we have made incredible strides, right? I mean, we really yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're, 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 we're definitely not there yet. And I think that with the advent of something as unprecedented as the Internet and social media that's created a whole new set of issues to work with. But I think that now this is being pushed to the forefront, becoming more visible. And then we're talking about it and other people talk about it and people discuss it on their own. And I think the end result is that we do all kind of grow and this causes us to learn and this causes us to be more united. That's kind of, I guess, the optimistic view. I I think what would stop a lot of it is if you had to use your real name on every form of social media. Like, you can't hide from who you are. You're, You're... your, yeah, but I could make. I mean, I could make a fake account, could, right? But, if but I wanted to. Part, for the most part, like you're 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 well known. Yeah. People know. You, so if you say something, like yeah. it's it can always it's always going to be out there. Like on me on all my social media, that's my name. Yeah, every every message board I'm on, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, all of it. I'm GS Weathers, George Sony Weathers. Yeah. That's, I'm Comic I'm, Ref on Twitter. Comic Ref on but, Facebook. But but a Comic Ref that's still just like an you know. Mine right, is yeah. me. Yours is GS Weather. Mine right. is me. Like yeah. that's my initials. You can find me anywhere with that. 
And so I'm always accountable for anything that I say because that's there. That's me. That's it's. You're not. So, you're not. You're not hiding behind yeah, uh, Trump I'm, fan yeah, deplorable yeah. forty two. I'm, I'm, I'm not keyboard Maga. warrior sixty seven. So yeah. anything I say, like I'm held accountable for. It. Like, and, and I think everybody should be. Well, and I mean, I think that's another thing, kind of like the "don't be a jerk" rule, where it sounds very good, and I absolutely agree with you, but. The logistics of trying to actually make hey, that look, happen are just and I, but look, I'll so tell unrealistic. You, it's a I, see, I think it takes kind of us like evolving and learning. And you're already seeing this in that I think people um, in the more reasoned sections and the more reasoned kind of debates, some of those anonymous, more outlandish comments are just kind of ignored for what they are as being kind just, of trolls. Yeah, they're just being trolls. But look, it just, just, I know we got to wrap because it's starting to get loud in here. Right, but right. Yeah, like, we got literally, I, like, here. that jerk guy, like, that was me. Like, I said horrible yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And now, you know, like, on days whenever I might have, like, three or four of these tequilas, <laughs> I'll still slip back into that old mode. But look, like what we were talking about two years ago, it, it changed my life. Like, I talked to a uh, psychologist, worked out a bunch of shit that I had going on in my head. I feel like a million, like, I, all really? I think now is like, I can't believe how much of my life I wasted just being angry and furious at everybody and everything. See, so that's interesting, though, because then you have firsthand perspective into how a lot of people feel. Yeah. And I don't ever want to discount people's feelings because there is almost like a certain truth or validity just to like even if somebody's completely wrong like objectively wrong on something if they believe that they're right that almost gives them a personal sense of righteousness or truth and so for me to sit there and just i guess for me to just act like i mean to completely discount that is probably not that that's not the most constructive tactic that's how that's how uh that's how like i the, the Muslim issue or even before that the Russians whenever they were our big evil enemy yeah if you were taught since you were born that the sky is purple no matter how much science you see and how many facts point to no 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 the sky is really blue it's looking pretty purple you're, you're gonna be like no 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 I, I was taught 15 years this guy is purple yeah, man like yeah. you're, you're wrong and it's the same way if you were taught like America's the great enemy or Allah's right and Jesus is right. if you've been taught that like your whole life that's a lot of deep yeah. programming that has to go in yeah. there to, to actually or see the maybe truth. you just had like deep seated fucking father issues that fucking yeah. but that cool, you never man. dealt with it's cool that you've experienced that own like personal yeah. uh, kind of but to his credit at least when Sonny was saying horrible shit and, and, and still does say horrible shit occasionally when he's drunk I like saying horrible he, shit he, I, still, he I know he's humorous but way I, I still but have my morals but he doesn't do it online where he's anonymous he does it in person when there's still a threat of possibly getting his ass whipped well, and look, there's one mild. thing about making a very remote. <laughs> there's there's one thing about making like <laughs> jokes about pedophilia and molesting little kids, and actually going and molesting little kids, right? Like, if we're talking strictly in terms of humor, nothing is off limits. Correct. See, but do not actually do not actually harbor those yes. feelings to the point where you engage in active discrimination, or exactly. you engage yeah. in one of these epic topics. Yeah. Like. I am not someone who believes that these things should be off limits for jokes or for general discussion because exactly. I laugh at him. Perfect, I make these Louis jokes. Louis C.K. is a perfect example. He went out and he did his monologue on Saturday Night Live about you know child molesters. And I did how not see that. It must abortion. be because the, the, the worst thing in the world is to be labeled a child sex offender, a child molester. And these guys still go and do it, which makes you think, 
<laughs> Gotta be pretty good. And see, not see, and see, like for me, for me, my only he did that on NBC. Oh my god! My only That's rule crazy. is yeah. uh, it's only too soon. Is uh, the only time it's too soon to tell a joke is if I tell a joke before the event happens. Like if <laughs> I tell you, you a joke today about something that's gonna happen on Saturday, that's too soon. It's too soon because you're not gonna get false it. flag. Yeah. If 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 it's happened. It's fair game. We, we, yeah. we got to wrap up, but I think we need to close. And you need to tell him your minor joke. But the two before we do I'll that, I'll tell him that after. Two, I've told this oh, thing like okay. five times on the here. two things we have a lot. We talk, people talk about resources and natural resources and depleting of resources. The two things that we are really in need of uh, in America and really the world, but in America, are uh, consistency, principled consistency, and empathy. If we had more of those, we wouldn't be in the shithole that we are right now. Empathy probably describes kind of how I feel. I mean, that's the word that I kept coming back to when thinking about... I don't even have empathy for people. But no, you have empathy, and you you just demonstrated empathy a while ago when you said, can you imagine being a black person, and you go in, and you can't get the job, and then you go out there, and you see the statue. That's empathy. But you're no, that's, that's just facts. Like, that's things that I'm just... But you, like, no, but I you're, don't... you're putting yourself in somebody else's position. Yeah, you should position. be empathetic. <laughs> you're, you're, right? yeah, I, I, you're, you're putting yourself in somebody else's position. You're empathizing with their plight. I do. I, I really like. The, I really like empathy, kind of as a guiding philosophy. And then I, I would also say that we could also just all use a bit more of the art of discussion. And I'm almost sick of talking about this because this has become a conversation in and of itself, where you just lament about how people can't talk anymore to each other, and and it becomes this very circular thing. And you talk around the issues. Exactly. But. I do believe to be true, and this is an issue that spans both sides in that, like, a perfect example to me of kind of losing yourself in what you view as a righteous fight would be something like this Antifa or this anti-fascist group that has popped up. Right. Well-intentioned, absolutely, right? One, two, fight against fascism. Yeah. But what happens when you employ fascist tactics to fight against fascism, exactly. right? It's the old yeah. saying, yeah, be careful fighting monsters lest you become yeah. one, right? Exactly. The abyss, the abyss stares back. Exactly. And, and, and to your point there, I think, as I grew up when Nelson Mandela was imprisoned, yeah. before he became president. By the way, I think there are other politicians who have been treated worse <laughs> more unfairly than the current Jesus. commander in chief. No, 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 no. He has had, been on very. We good. have four presidents he who were assassinated. With very, what he says, like with yeah. great certainty. With great certainty, <laughs> something like I, that. I think we have four past presidents who would say, "Bitch, please." Um, oh, so anyway, um, so but if you go to South Africa or Rhodesia, I'm watching the Showtime's uh, show. I'm uh, halfway through the finale. Guerrilla, G-U-E-R. Yeah, like guerrilla warfare. Yeah. It's a fantastic series. It happens in the early 70s when Britain, if you were black or an, Im- and an immigrant, you were fucked. You were really? done. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. And you go, and you think about South Africa, and they brought the Rhodesians over, the Afrikaners, to, to go after the blacks in, in Britain. All right. You go to today, this is in my lifetime. I would dare say that they have a better... Just, they have a better dialogue, better race relations wow. in Britain and Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, I believe. I don't I'm actually. Ge- in South Africa, you have better relations. That old Siam. I don't. You have better. You have better. I would go out on a limb and say you have better race, race relations in South Africa today than you do in America. And there was apartheid in my lifetime 
in South Africa. I mean, some of the stories that have come out of South Africa are terrifying. The people there, they actually had conversations. The white people actually felt shame into what happened. So here's my question with that, though. It's all about states' rights. They didn't try to say, ah, you're just being silly, get over it. So here's my question with that. Like how we talked at the beginning with Robert E. Lee about how his perspective, I think, is important because he's so close to it. Is South Africa going through kind of like the 70s or 80s in America where, like we said, we thought we had moved on from a lot of this racism that now seems to be bubbling up here recently. And they may have a a blacklash later on. Yeah. But the difference there is that the blacks are the majority. More yeah, yeah that's true. That there's, a di- there's a difference there. So, well, and yeah, that, then, yeah. Let, I me, let me ask you this: What year were you born? Eighty-nine. Okay. I, I was trying to think because w- whenever I was a kid, and I was trying to think, did I meet your dad before or after you were born? <laughs> I I and, did and, meet, I did and, meet your dad before. And I believe, born. Oh, man, but I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit closer to his age than I you, did. so I I actually think I met him in. I graduated was, high school. I want to say it was eighty-nine. Maybe eighty-eight, because I was yeah. I was like I was like eleven, so it might have been before you were born, because it might have been eighty-eight. Dude. Oh, I, that's I, I actually uh, that weirds me out because like I look at you and I'm like God, yeah. we I don't feel like I should be eleven years older than you. <laughs> yeah, see, not, I met your dad uh, at a an FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yes, he uh, was very involved in the FCA the Sugar Bowl breakfast. Yep. It was a New Year's Eve in nineteen eighty. Or eighty-eight. It was the year that Miami and Tennessee Damn. were meeting in the, sh- in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And we went, and uh, 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 Coach uh, Chucky Pierce, our baseball coach, and he was a wide receiver coach for our football team at South Terrebonne, our tribal of South Lafouche. Yeah. Went up afterwards and tried to get your dad to come and talk to uh, our chapter at South at South Terrebonne, and I just remember standing behind Coach Pierce when your dad said, and here's the thing. He I, had that mullet, he had that perm yeah, mullet yeah. at the time. And, and you have to remember, keep this in mind, I mean this with all love, I actually, uh, I grew up in South La, South Terrebonne Parish, yeah. and we had cousins over in South Lafouche Parish, and we would always, we talked flat, but we always made fun of our cousins from LaRose who talked totally <laughs> flat. Wait, it's, I, I, so I might expose my own Atlanta upbringing here. I've never heard it described as talking flat. You've never heard talking I've flat? I've never heard talking, talking flat, flat. my entire t- life. We talked flat. Our cousins from LaRose talked flat. Yeah, talk flat. And so <laughs> we, would, we would get together for like a, a funeral or a wedding or some kind of family get together, and all the cousins would have to be there, and we'd, afterwards we'd be talking. And uh, my cousins from South Lafouche, from LaRose, and we would make fun of them. Yeah. Even though we had that coon ass Look, accent, da- down the body, he's got all kind and, of and, talking to my yeah. family friends. There's all kind of dividing yeah. lines there. So we had our co- my cousins, Sammy and Sandy, who lived a little bit down the by for me, and they had about the same accent I did. And later on, we'd make fun of our cousins from LaRose. Miss Sammy and Sandy, <laughs> what you doing with my sandwich? <laughs> Man, you going to the dance? Oh, my God. And so oh I just remember God, your dad. So good, I just remember your dad telling uh, Coach Pierce, saying uh, after he asked him if he could come over, he says, "Man, I just moved to Mandeville," and he's like, "Oh my God, that's yeah, that's a." And it was thick back then. And that man. was after he'd been in Atlanta. Was a, yes, that it was, was after he'd been in thick. Atlanta and had just moved back to New Orleans to play for oh, the Saints. Dude, that's so, crazy. so just to clarify, yeah, uh, it was eighty-seven. 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 Uh, so I would have been nine years old. Wow. Because I. I I, I knew we played the Giants, and I knew we won. 
Nice, uh, dude. Nice memory. In 88, they lost. Well, I remember it was the Giants because my first LSU game was LSU Ole Miss and uh, shit. Uh, the good Manning brother was the quarterback at Ole Miss. Oh, uh, the, the one Eli. with Eli with with all his Super Bowl wins. Eli so, and Cooper, <laughs> Cooper. Yeah, yes. that's that's how I remember it because we beat Eli. Uh, my first LSU game that I went to with my dad. Uh, uh, it wasn't my first LSU game. It was my first LSU game with dad. Uh, they beat Ole Miss. With Eli at quarterback, yeah. who went on to do quarterback oh, yeah, for the Giants, yeah. and my first Saints game with Dad, we Eli beat the Giants. Yeah, oh, yeah. nice, dude. Nice. Okay, okay, okay. Very I was cool. wondering how it was going to tie yeah. in there. It no. all tied in later, you know. <laughs> so, I also have to ask this because you grew up a lot of your life in Atlanta, right? Yeah, I moved. Uh, I lived in on the North Shore until I was four, and then I uh, moved and, over to Atlanta. Okay, until so I was eighteen. But everybody. So when you went to school in Atlanta, were mm-hmm. you still called T Bob or, or? Yeah, yeah, I stuck with T Bob. I stuck with T Bob, and I always made a point of explaining to explain to people why oh, it was T Bob. I mean, I still do that here. I, I mean, not say, like not that many people in Louisiana actually know either. See, that's what's amazing. And here's the thing: I grew up. My dad could tell you. It, it, I grew up in that gen- generation when uh, it was right after French was seen as ignorant. And, and, yes. and tried to be purged. My grandpa's first language is French, and my, he has a great dad. sign. Okay, so he has a great sign in in the house where it's a boy being scolded in school, yeah. and it's saying uh, Hebert, not a bear, right? right? Like telling them not <laughs> yeah. to uh, not yeah. to speak French. Yeah, yeah. See, and and it's weird because people get thrown off because my last name is White, but it all goes back to a few, like five or six generations where. Uh, it was like Blanc. A, it, no, <laughs> what happened was I have a I have a like my great great grandfather whatever he was two years old and he was orphaned his two his parents it was a white it was like yellow fever and he was orphaned and the Laperouse family welcomed him in and took him and oh, took wow. him in and kept the name in the honor of the family so white is the only English name I'm related to. Wow, that's crazy. Everything is Laperouse, Traha, LeBlanc, Traha, just Louis C.K. Mexican. Yeah, did you know that? Yeah, exactly. He is like legitimately like he is. He's the ginger Mexican. Yeah, his grandfather. Oh wow, his grandfather uh, went down there and married a Mexican lady, I believe. Yeah, I think or it was the other way. One of those two. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. Which is the Mexican and Irish flag is pretty close. Just a little bit of sun, you get to you get the Irish flag. (laughs) A a lot of them went down there, though. A lot of the uh, Mormons went down there. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, but the, so he, he, my dad grew up and, and he went to school and he my was beaten just trash from all over hit. Europe that ended up in Mississippi <laughs> and Louisiana, New Orleans. My but, dad was from New Orleans. My mom was from literally twenty miles of gravel outside of Woodville. The uh, the only the, time the French was ever spoken to me was if I got if I pissed off my parents or they didn't want to know what I was talking. Did about. you ever pick up any? I know of multiple eh, people who I know like a bit. wanted to. I understand their parents gossiping, and so they actually kind of like. Learned. I learned more in school, but I, mean, I just remember like I, I grew up with my parents. My grandparents raised me for most of my life, and so you know my grandma that was first language was French. Yeah, and my grandma was nosy, and so <laughs> somebody would pull up across the street or whatever, and I just know yeah what come see. And yeah, <laughs> see I can't. I was really a moody tit dude. All I remember is consent. Console. Right, isn't that your underwear or something? I oh, don't know. Con- My grandma I can speak. I can Console. speak bits oh, and pieces wow. of it. I still understand it fairly well, but I can't speak it anymore. Like, but I took it from like kindergarten through high school. I took four years of yeah. French. I don't know shit. My wife knows more French than me because she took three years and actually uh, spent a little time in France and during high school. Mm-hmm. And my stepmom, who didn't know any French when she met my dad, 
knows more French because she's uh, they have like uh, stay at home bed and breakfast out of, in their home, and they have Canadian and French tourists that come and stay with them. And oh, so just wow. through immersion, yeah, you got to get knows, that practice, man. You know, she knows more. That's something else I like to do. Uh, I do like art trainer and elliptical and shit like that. Yeah. And if I'm not if I don't have a show to watch on my phone or an audiobook I'm listening to, I downloaded like some French and Spanish and I just listened to it, you know. I need to practice my French and I'm going to Paris Dude, next this, week. Oh wow. The Spanish yeah, you're going to Paris? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm Spanish was like a whole different like I was like just coming from learning French they're like oh they're very similar like, this shit ain't similar at all. There ain't nothing similar about any of it. Yeah. No, I got it. And every uh, now and then I'll throw in like a German or a Russian one on there just to really like, just to make, really get out there just to, freak, so, to get a but little freaky. It, it, it makes me focus on that. So then like I'm like oh yeah. good I ran an hour and I yeah, didn't Yeah, you're into this. the pain cave. Yeah. All right. I, I like that. I haven't listened to it but I hear advertisements for it. Uh, when I listen to NPR, because I'm better than Loves all of you, I listen to NPR. Sure you are. I am better than all of you. But there's a there's an ad. I do love that, NPR. There's an ad I for don't. slow news in different languages. That is NPR. <laughs> it is. It is. You uh, you can. It's the new slow news in it, it, Italian and French and Spanish, whatever. No and way. Basically, what they do is they read you the news. But slowly, yeah, in yeah, yeah, foreign yeah. languages, so that you can kind of get used. The to problem it. with actually trying to learn a language is just that I feel like in order to do so, you have to completely immerse yourself, right? It's, like it, it's yeah, so it, it's so it's not as easy as it was when you were kids, life. when you're just a sponge right. and yeah. you soak it all. You can up. learn multiple languages before four years old. Yeah, it's why I'm jealous of all these kids with bilingual parents, and then one like my cousin, my uh, my aunt's from Nicaragua, and. My cousins all have always spoke Spanish and English. She's had a baby, and wow. my cousin Brittany, she speaks to the baby only in Spanish, and then her husband, who's American, obviously wow. only speaks uh, Only well, speaks I mean, American. Look, she's American as well. American. I should say uh, her husband, who is just uh, English-speaking, speaks She speaks, speaks Spanish. He speaks American. Yeah, exactly. That's she- like, I got, I, got, <laughs> I got some friends. Uh, we don't have kids, but I got friends with kids and, and people I work with. Their kids go to that international school. And so, like, the kids are learning English, French, Spanish, and, like, Mandarin. Like, because hey, they're young, and it just it soaks in They always brain. used to, I mean, that was the thing when I was growing up. They were like, Mandarin's going to be the language of the world by 2020. I don't know if that's still the case, but. It's not. Still no. English. Trump's yeah. not done yet. It's, it's, <laughs> I was going to say, it's still English, but it is, it is falling out of favor. Yeah. But, oh, uh, but they said, like, they learn these languages, but you can't. Their, their brains aren't developed enough to where, like, you can ask them a question in Mandarin and they can answer you in French. Like, you can ask them in Mandarin yeah. and they can answer in Mandarin. You can ask them in French and they can answer in French, but there's not, at that age, they don't cross it over yet. That's such right. an invaluable skill to have, man. And if you ever go over and visit anywhere else, you go to Europe, it's kind of always pretty shameful when it, seemingly everybody else can speak two languages and you're, and you're kind of the but, asshole that's sitting you, there you like, gotta look at it like this trying to pantomime your way through you it. gotta look right. at it like this though like they're speaking French and Spanish and German because what are they next to? 
France. Oh yes, Spain, no, no, no. I, I like, get realistically how that develops. Yeah. It just, it's still though, just kind of. It, it, it we, just feels you feel less than. If we had take, countries next to us like that, we'd have the same thing. Like, but you know, I go to Texas. I can speak Texas. Yeah, I go to Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, you put me in Mississippi with my family for an hour, and I'll be talking like this. You know, <laughs> it but you know what? Take pride in that. Take pride in that shame because uh, I've got too many family members that are just like, uh, you know. They go to another place and they say, oh, yeah, you know, they see something crazy happening in Mexico on the beach. And they say, hey, they're doing this weird stuff. But you know how them foreigners are. I'm like, says the American in Mexico. No, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, no. That's not, that's yeah. not, I got a Mex- that's like never that. been my personality. Yeah, yeah, that, that real ethnocentric <laughs> attitude. All right, let's wrap this up. We've been yeah, we forever. need to go here. So, man, we've taken up too much of your time. No, hell yeah, man. Look, this, this was been, a lot of fun, man. This is really this fun. This might be the longest fun. we've ever done. In a while, in a while. Definitely. Really? What do we have? Like this two hours, about hour forty-two, hour and forty-two minutes. Oh, yeah, I like folks. nice. Yeah, nice guys. Nice. I, I I I like to talk. So thank y'all look, very you, much for having me. One of my favorite. You wake up at one thirty in the morning. You get a good clock going on. <laughs> Some of my favorite times have been driving back on the night before Thanksgiving from my dad's house in Homa. Via the 310 to 10 yeah. and catching 105.3, the uh, WTIX, yes, and listening yeah, to you and your co-host. It was old Christian Garrick. Man. And just yeah. listening to y'all talk about whatever. And I'm like, me and my wife were just listening. Well, that, that's, that's what was kind of funny on that show is that because it was four hours and it was eight to midnight, we could talk about whatever. Y'all brought the, the food guy on did. about his oh, turkey yeah, recipe. Tom Fitzmorris. He's yeah. he got to have Tom on during Thanksgiving I'll listen time. to Tom Fitzmorris eight days a week. Poppy took her two minutes tops. It's like you cannot... Give a shit about food, and you can listen to Tom Fitzmaurice. Oh, absolutely! Because he's just so damn good at his and job. And Poppy Tucker's just the opposite. It's like I can't. I don't care what she's talking about. I. I it's against the Geneva Convention to force somebody to listen to her. <laughs> like it, it, the it, you listen to Werner Herzog. The opposite of Werner Herzog is Poppy Tucker. I need to see that Werner Herzog movie. Uh, what did he just come out with? Something about the internet. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? No. He's got oh, yeah, out. you need to check this out. Oh, oh shit. shit. I wish you could remember the name. Look it up. It came I'll out like last year. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out. If you're a Herzog guy, you definitely should. Awesome. All right. So you want Hitler's guys? I don't know him. Werner. <laughs> Werner Herzog. Nine. Nine. <laughs> he's trying to wrap well, it all he's up. Rich, he's reaching for his right hand. That's trying to go up like Dr. Strange love. <laughs> I actually have never seen Dr. Strange Oh, man. I've, got, I've been very it. into, because of, of course, the latest Hardcore History episode. There's no fighting in the uh, war room. Nuclear blitz or whatever. I, I really need to see Dr. Strange It's a fun sh- It's an interesting uh, It's an interesting movie. I like so. Kubrick. It's a mad, 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 mad movie. Mad, 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 mad movie. Yep, exactly. So, all right. Well, let's go all ahead. Right, T-Bob, thanks for coming on, man. No, this thank you all so much for having me. Let's go awesome. ahead and wrap this up. Let's sign off. Uh, T Bob A Bear, listen, hey, listen to uh, yeah, listen to Off the Bench on uh, 104.5 ESPN. We're on seven to nine every day on 104.5, and uh, yeah, I got some side work in the works as well that will oh, wow. push through all those channels. So yeah, and your co-host Jordy Colada. Yes, Jordy Colada is great dude, Baton Rouge native. A lot of Coladas in this area. Yeah, a lot Come of Jordys to too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In sports, <laughs> at least one. Yeah, all for, all, for all in sports. So, oh man, but yeah. So uh, listen, but hey, th- thank you all for having me on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Appreciate. It. I have to get you back on. So that's uh, T Bob. I'm Sunday. Never shut up. I'm Jeremy White. You've been listening to the Red Stick Podcast. T Bob, maybe in the morning, seven to nine. Do it, Jesus.
Beauregard is Beauregard. 